Right on. So DIY, man, what a, what a series we had. We were um, super excited about um, what, what God did through that. Um, it was way beyond anything we would have imagined. Uh, we finished last week with our series on Teach Me to Sabbath, and this week we're heading to a, a, a new place, heading to a, a new place. And uh, you, some of you are asking, my mom came in this morning, she's like, why is the TV up there? What, what, what's that for? Well, we're trying some new things. You see, with the camera in the back, if we have to include that screen up there, the shot is really tall and, and wide, and I am neither of those things, okay? And so the closer we could get to, you know, to the, the square, the better that's going to be for the people who are watching us on TV. And if I can learn how to do all of these things together, then I can actually interact right here because I, I can't do that up there. So that's kind of why the TV's there. We're, we're giving it a try. We're, we're giving it a go. So today, we are starting a series that may last, I don't know, eight weeks, 20 weeks, 40 weeks. We really don't know uh, because we're going through uh, a book of the Bible, all right? We're going through a, a book of the Bible. We're going to start our series on the Gospel of Luke, all right? And today is teaching, all right? Today is information. I want you to know the things you never knew before about Luke. If you've been around, you know that Luke is a storyteller. You know that that's the book with the most parables. If you've been around, you probably know that Luke is one of the Gospels. But I want you to know everything there is to know before we dig in, okay? So let's start here. Basically, the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, if you break it down a little further, you've got what we call pre-Jesus, the time of Jesus, and post-Jesus. That would be the Old Testament when God spoke to his people through the prophets. And then you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we're going to focus on. That is the Gospels, and that is the story of Jesus from the time he was born until the time he died. And then you've got the book of Acts, where it's, which is where the church began, through the Revelation and beyond. That is post-Jesus. He's, he's not dead. He's alive. He's gone back to heaven to prepare a place for us, and he will come again. All right? We're going to be focusing on one of the stories of Jesus' life. All right? You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to teach you a word, and that word is synoptic. Synoptic. Everybody say that out loud. Synoptic. Yes. Synoptic means like or similar, or running parallel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Got it? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. Here's what that means. If you could lay Matthew down on the floor and the whole book were written out like from the length of this room, and then you laid Mark down and it was all written the length, and then you laid Luke down and it was all written the length, and then you highlighted all of the stories that were the same, it would be lit up all over the place. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a ton of the same stories, some even word for word in them. The reason why is that both Matthew and Luke took a lot of their stories from Mark. Why? Because Mark was one of Peter's best friends. Mark and Peter were tight. Peter was with Jesus, so we can trust what Mark says. Now, here's what you need to know. Mark's from Jessamine County. All right, that's how you need to see Mark. Mark is from Garrett County and Jessamine County. He drives a pickup truck. There is a gun rack in the back window. And when he sees a cow, he calls it a cow. He says, hey, there's a heifer. And that's how life is. All right, that's Mark. A heifer's a heifer's a heifer. All right, that's Mark. That's why his gospel's so short. He said it and he shut up. All right, this is what God did and it's over. That's Mark. Y'all with me? 
Matthew was the church guy. He was a Jew talking to Jews. He was from the place. He was called as a part of the following, and he was explaining Jesus to the church people, a church guy talking to church folk. All right, got it? So far, so good. Let's skip Luke for a minute, and then let's go to John. John was the eyewitness account. It's likely that Levi saw some things. It's likely that Mark had good notes, all right? But John, if he's who we believe he is, and I do, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. They call it the beloved disciple. We know that his name was John, and we believe that that's the same John that wrote John. Now, that book is completely different from the rest. It's about signs. It's about miracles. It's about relationships. It's where we send new believers. John or 1 John is where we send new believers if they ask where they should start reading first. They can start anywhere, but if they ask, you know, out of 66 books of the Bible, we normally send them to John or 1 John, okay? So that one's completely different and is not included in the synoptics. It actually has a creation story in it, like Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and then God created humans. Well, there's a creation story actually in the beginning of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, blah, 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 blah. That, that's actually a creation narrative, all right? So that one's completely different and, and wonderful in its own right. Now we're left with Luke, all right? We're left with Luke. And I don't want to say too much because what I'm going to do this morning <laughs> is try to get, I want to get to the birth of Jesus right around Christmas time, and that's like two weeks from now, <laughs> all right? So right after, or at least by New Year's, here's the problem, all right? Luke starts with one chapter before we get to Jesus' birth. The problem is that chapter is 70 to 80 verses, okay? And nobody wants to hear a guy preach on 70 to 80 verses. Well, this morning, in order to get you where you need to be, I'm only going to get through four. So hopefully next week I can do 76, and uh, that'll be great, all right? But we'll see. Everybody's like, skipping next week, all right? That'll be great, all right? But that's where we are. I want you to know about these things. You're in the Gospel of Luke, one of the three synoptic Gospels, probably secondhand account. Let's be honest. Luke was written about 60 years post, all right, 30 to 60 years after Jesus was alive. We know that he got his account from Mark. We know that. We also know historically that he got, it, he got his accounts from a fully different source that is not in the scriptures, a historical source, all right? We also know, and I'm going to show you later, that he walked and talked and was with Paul. We know that Luke walked talked, stayed with, was around Paul, the missionary, Paul, the apostle, Saul turned Paul, all right? I'll, I don't want to give you any more because it's in the rest of the sermon, okay? But I'm going to read a passage to you. I'm going to talk about it quickly, and then I'm going to tell you what you need to know, where they are, who wrote, and who he wrote to, because it's important for you to get excited I'm excited. I know things today I did not know last Sunday. I'm excited about next week because I know things about the birth that I didn't know before, and I've been, do I've been doing this for 30 years. I I've known Jesus and been around Jesus and been in church since, uh, well, 46 years, and then nine months prior to that, I was there with Mama, all right? So I've been around. Let's read, and then we'll get context, we'll get writer, and we'll get receiver. It's hugely important, makes things exciting, and it's something that you can tell your friends and family about because all of us can be involved. Here we go. This is the first four verses of Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things 
that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Let me rephrase that. I am one of a huge number of people who have taken on the daunting and nearly impossible task of trying to share the Jesus of this earth, of heaven and earth with you in a way that you can understand, that you can be drawn into, and that you might believe having never seen. He says, here's where I am. This is the task that I've chosen to undertake. And do you hear that this guy's a little bit more eloquent than the rest? Can you hear that in the way he talks? He's like a really good writer and speaker. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Doesn't sound like Garrett County, does it? All right? Doesn't even sound like Lexington, all right? This sounds more like the classroom at a, at a, at a theology school or a college or university. We're going to find out why. It's important, all right? Here we go. With this in mind, which is another thing that we don't say, with this in mind, all right, he's going to tell us why he's doing what he's doing. He's telling us what he's doing, and now he's telling us why. Since I myself, hugely important, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I'm going to come back and tell you what that means, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. Outside of reading it or understanding it, how many of you before 30 seconds ago heard of Theophilus or knew who Theophilus was? About six, seven of you? Me, me, me too. Me, me, me. I mean, his name was in there. That's what you knew. We're going to know why, all right? Most excellent Theophysis. Listen, why him? So that you may know the certainty. Luke throws a big... A big idea out here, a powerful notion out here. He's saying, what I'm about to do when I'm done, Theophilus, I want you to be sure. Why am I writing? I'm writing so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So we need to know what the context of the book is. We need to know who Luke was and what gives him the right, and who Theophilus was and why Luke's writing the way he's writing. All right? Let's take a look-see at this here map of the world at that time. Now, you and I both know that the, the world wasn't the world at that time, but it was the world that the people who lived knew. All right, You couldn't travel by, by plane. You couldn't travel all around. You couldn't see globes at this time. This was, it wasn't the same. All right? What you are looking at is the Roman Empire, all right? All that is in color, all right, are areas that Rome has overtaken, all right? Rome is here, Italia, Italy, all right, the boot. This is the Mediterranean Sea, all right? Right here is Rome, got it? Everything in the known universe centered around Rome, not necessarily geographically, but all of the money in the places they conquered came back to Rome. All of the bright thinkers that they could find as they conquered came back to Rome. All of the strong warriors that they found when they defeated and wiped out armies came back to Rome. Everything that was done, everything that was done on the planet, all right, you understand this? Came back to Rome to, to make Rome powerful. They weren't even trying to spread Rome out. 
They were only going out to bring everything from the, the, the outside in, all right? They didn't care about what went on in the other places other than what they could gain from it. That's, that's the existence of the world. And I told him in the first service, and I want you to think about this. We're going to look at this. Everything that we're reading about happens here, all right? Literally about as far away from here as you can, as you can get, all right? Not only that, but they weren't no big places here. So here's how you need to think about this. How many times do you think New Yorkers, people in New York City, people on Wall Street, wake up and wonder what happened in Wilmore today? If you're going to think about Kentucky, maybe they think about Louisville or Lexington because that's where you flew into or flew out of. And, and you know, you, you, maybe not Rome, Georgia, but you think of Atlanta because you stopped through there on your way to that, whatever. So that would be the most that the people in Rome ever thought about it. And what they would do is they would leave governors or kings or heads of state to rule and send all of the stuff back. If there were taxes collected, it was all sent back. And if that ruler sent the stuff back, they didn't really bother him. So Caesar had, didn't, didn't have a lot of interaction with anybody down in Judea, anybody in the, the metropolis that is Bethlehem, you know, or Cana, or anything else. That would have fallen under the people you've heard of, uh, Herod or, or uh, Tiberius, okay? It would have fallen under their purview, okay? That's, that's what we're dealing with. Now, even Caesar said, Caesar is Lord. So not only was there physical and monetary and, and, and war, everything centered back toward Rome, but their gods were also centered back toward Rome. They would have learned Greek mythology. They would have learned Roman mythology, all right? They would have sat on the steps of the temples and outside the temples and talked about the things you see in movies, Hercules, Zeus, Thor, all of that would have been discussed, okay? Explanations would have been had about how these gods' children were born which we're going to get into next week, how the God of the universe was born and what made it different and not different. I'm going to go ahead and get this out here so none of y'all feel weird. Next week, listen to me, virgin, 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 so that nobody gets weirded out by the word virgin, all right? I'm going to, we're going to talk about why the virgin birth is important. And more than that, we're going to talk about why. Have you ever wondered why nobody really gets into an argument over that one? People say, well, that couldn't be real, and they move on. But it's never really an argument. It never goes on for very long. Have you ever wondered why that is? I mean, if I was going to contend it, that's the one I'd contend. Well, there's a reason. In fact, there's three reasons. And I didn't know them till this past week, and now I want to jump on into next week and tell you, but I can't because that's next week. But I'm excited about it, all right? And it, isn't it funny that, well, I'll explain in a minute why it's going to be cool. All right, so we know what the world was like. We know where its center was, and we know where all the talks of God and religion were coming from. We also know from our background that there was a baby born in a manger that became the king of both heaven and earth. We, we know that. That hasn't happened in this book yet. And there was a group of people all over the planet who then heard this story for the very first time. Maybe they experienced it like the shepherds and the wise men. Maybe somebody told somebody who told somebody else who told somebody else. And 10 years later, they were hearing the story about this stuff. And then 15 years after that, this person dies. And it's one of the biggest, craziest, most traumatic things that, that ever happens in Jerusalem. All right, And then you hear about it again, and you're wondering why and how and what. Let's look at who he wrote to. We know that he wants to prove it, and we know that he has a name. 
Theophilus. Theophilus, all right? Helps to know what Theophilus means, all right? Theophilus is a lot like um, one of our cities, Philadelphia. Does anybody know what the nickname of Philadelphia is? It's the city of brotherly love, the city of brotherly love. Do you know why? Because that's actually what its name means. Philos, love, Delphos, brother. Love of your brother, the city of brotherly love. That's what it means in Greek. Theophilus is the same way. You have the philos here, but it's at the end. Theos is God. So the translation of Theophilus is one of two things, all right? Friend, brother of God, someone connected to God, or one loved by God. One loved by God. So he's writing to the one whom God loved or the one whom is connected to Christ. Interesting how we got to start there. Now, theologians have, have talked about who this guy really is, okay? There's four or five theories out there, but only two you really need to know about, all right? There's one that is actually a person named this, and that, that's possible because it fits into the second one, all right? But the first one is this. If I said, you whom God loves, I could actually be talking about what? All of you. If I say the phrase, you whom God loves, that can mean all of you, a collective you, all right? There are some people who believe that Luke was writing to all of the people whom God loves, which is everyone. He was writing to, to convince the people that God loves and adores that he is real. That, that's one con conjecture, okay? The problem with that is this phrase, most excellent Theophilus, okay? When you add the most excellent, you have to then consider in that time and in that space, was this phrase ever used again? And it is, twice. Twice in the scripture, it is used outside of here. And both times, you ready for this? It refers to an official or someone with a title in the ranks of the Roman government. Let me explain. If you are a judge in the city of Jessamine County or a judge on the Supreme Court of the state, you are called your honor or the honorable judge, okay? The honorable. That would be very much like this. Someone who is a little bit above a councilman and a little bit above uh, you know, uh, uh, an executive director, maybe not a governor, maybe not a Supreme Court, maybe not a president or a king, but somebody who had some authority in the ranks of the Roman government. So what we believe is that Luke, when you find out about him, came in contact with a gentleman who was not in Rome, but was either found by Rome, sent from Rome, or impressed the people of Rome with his thoughts, with his, um, um, the way he did things, with his political accuracy, with his historical integrity. Whoever Theophilus was had earned his place of dignity and walked in dignified circles. And because Luke probably walked in those same circles, these two individuals probably became friends. You don't write to someone unless you have a relationship of some kind with them, not somebody you just met or somebody who asked you to write. Here's what we think. We think that Theophilus went to Luke and said, 
this stuff's believable. But if I buy in to this Jesus thing, I'm out. I mean, my job, out. My family, out. Maybe even my life, out. If I start saying Jesus is Lord instead of Caesar is Lord, this is over. I need to know. I need to know. So who did he ask? That's where we're going. Who did he ask? What do we know about Luke? Now, the next set of slides is just going to go boom, 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 boom. Start making a list for us of, of who Luke is from Scripture and from history that we know. So I'm going to tell you about this guy now, all right? First thing everybody knows about Luke, if you know anything at all about Luke, was that he was a physician or a doctor. That's the one I got real excited about. If you want to talk about a virgin birth, about a physical aspect of a woman, who best to tell you whether it was or it was not? A physician, all right? If it's possible or not, that, that's next. I'm not going to go into the medical next week. No, 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 but I'm going to give you some reasons, okay? We also know that he was called Luke the Evangelist, all right? Now, we know evangelists as people who go out and who preach. That's what we call people who did what I did before I became a pastor. I was an evangelist, and I, I never even called myself an evangelist because that's just not what I saw myself as. Here, it's actually a different thing. Evangelists, all right, tell the good news. The Gospels were called the good news. That's what gospel means. So one who writes the gospel or the good news is an evangelist. So now you have Luke who is a doctor or a physician, and Luke is also an evangelist. So he has some integrity in the medical field. He also has some integrity in the field of theology. In theology, we can do that too. Theos, God, Logos, Word. He understood the words of God. Okay? Got it? He was also the author of both Luke and Acts. Luke wrote Luke, and part two of Luke is Acts. Here's something you may or may not know. We talk about Paul writing nearly half the New Testament. But when we say that, what we mean by that is there are, you know, uh, there are books of the New Testament that are smaller than others, you know, you know, Jude and then, you know, Acts. They're, they're, they're shorter and longer. Uh, Paul wrote 8, 9, 10, 11 books, depending on what theology you say or who you buy into or who wrote Hebrews and who didn't, that kind of thing. But he, he wrote a number of books, more than a third of the books in, in, the, in the New Testament, all right? But here's the deal. You ready for this? Here's the deal. If you count the size, the information in Acts and Luke, this man wrote 27% of the New Testament. He wrote 27% of the volume of the New Testament in these two books. They make up over one quarter of the New Testament that we read today, all right? He was probably, nobody, I, I can't tell you 100%, but everything that we can study and see, it was likely that he was a Gentile. And this is really cool because then you've got the four Gospels, a Jew writing to Jews, a, a, a down-home writing to the down-home, all right, one who was there walking, talking with him, writing to us all, and a Gentile, a non-Jew, writing to another non-Jew. We're all of the, we're all Gentiles. Everybody outside of Israel, outside of the Jewish faith, you know, that, that's Gentiles. It's Jews and everyone else. We're Gentiles, okay? 
So Luke was likely, we don't know for sure, but was likely a Gentile, all right? He also likely knew and traveled with Paul. And we're going to look at a couple verses later in the New Testament to show us that likely is not even necessary here. I believe that it was him who was with Paul, all right? We know that he uses the Gospel of Mark extensively, all right? Much of Mark. I don't know a percentage, but I'd, I'd be willing to say 70% or more of Mark appears somewhere in Luke, all right? Here's what we know also. Uh-huh. He was educated in medicine, history, philosophy, and theology. We, we know this. So here's the kind of guy this guy is. He's the kind of guy you meet on the street and you say, hey, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Luke. And somebody says, oh, what are you a doctor in? Well, I'm a medical doctor. And then that person gets ready to go on and Luke says, well, but I also have my doctorate in philosophy. I went back and got that. Oh, and then he says, and I have a master's in theology and a third doctorate in history. That's this guy. Okay, brain on overdrive, all right? He was a really good storyteller, really good storyteller. Most of the parables that you read that you love, the prodigal son, parable of sowing a seed, all of this stuff, Luke, he was an incredible storyteller, all right? So he could talk to the brilliant people, and he could talk to the small crowds. He, he, was, he was just, mm. All right, and I told you I thought he was with Luke. Let's look real quick. This is Philippians. Paul's talking. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. So we believe he was there in Rome. Only Luke is still with me. Second Timothy, one of his last books. Get Mark and bring him with you. So Luke's still with him at that time. And this passage actually refers to Luke. We are sending along with him, that is Luke. Luke is going to get someone, the brother who is praised by the gospel for his service to the gospel. He's respected and beloved by the second greatest missionary to ever walk the planet. I'm going to give Jesus number one spot. Paul's going to take number two, okay? All right? So far, so good? That's what makes this so important. Luke confesses that he was not an eyewitness, all right? He confesses that, but his sources were, but this is my favorite part. With this in mind, I myself have carefully investigated. Here's what I think happened. Here's what I believe happened when it comes down to the history of this book and why you ought to be excited about what it can and will do for us over the next who knows how many weeks. I think Theophilus befriended this guy Luke, heard what he had to say, heard how he talked, earned his respect, and he said, if I'm going to fall in this, you've got to help me. You've got to tell me if this is real or not, and I can't just have you say it. I I have faith. I can get there, but I need proof. A lot of us do. I decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, after I carefully investigated everything. This is Paul. This This is Luke. Luke goes around and he says, hey, Mark's got a story about a guy, uh, about a bunch of fishermen who are in the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret and the storm blows up and it scares these experienced fishermen who've grown up around boats all their life, scares them to death, so much so that they figure they've seen a ghost in the middle of the night. Take me there. Let's go to the sea. Let's find out why. And he looks at it and he sees the mountains and it's Luke who says, I know how this happened. The wind blows in this way, swirls around on these mountains, blows out the other side, causes the waves to go this way and this way at the same time while it's spinning like somebody flushed a toilet that will never go down. It's no wonder they freaked out. And then he writes it down. 
He says they were called. Where was Levi? Where was Peter? Where were they? Here's the place where Jesus said, let down your nets. How deep was it? He asks all of those questions. And then he comes back and he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to explain to you why they used farmers and sowers and seeds. I'm ready to explain to you why Jesus told this story in this location and this story in this location. I'm ready to tell you why he ran from, from money to sheep to a human being in the story of the prodigal son. It's not just a single story. It's one of three. I'm ready to tell you why there are three. When I start after verse 4, when I start with who Jesus was and the womb that he developed in, I'm going to give you the most scientifically, historically accurate account that children and adults can imagine. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. That's who we're about to listen to. And I don't know if you knew all that before you walked in this morning. I knew a lot of it, but not all of it, before I started getting this study together. And it's going to beautifully touch on so many things you can't even imagine. Listen, I'm not going to talk about women's rights or abortion next week, but I am absolutely going to show you and prove to you that God not only knows a baby in the womb, but that the baby can experience, feel, and understand God's presence in the womb. We're going to see it happen. I don't have to come down on either side. I know what that means. You can't understand, feel, or leap if you're not what? Alive. And if life is removed, I don't have to go into the rest. Thou shalt not kill takes care of it. You with me? This is what Luke does, all right? And this is why I'm excited, and you should be too. Let's pray. And God, begin to prepare our hearts. Uh, send our people out to search, to, to start to study, to start to read the Gospel of Luke for themselves. Have them, have them take on Matthew. Have them read into John. Let them go and learn of the life of Jesus. And let us together find our place alongside you, around you, behind you, following step by step, and with our hearts in you and you in us. We beg this of you, God. Change us from the inside out by letting us know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.